Hello, friends. Welcome to the Climbing Fierce podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping devoted Christ followers on the higher journey as they climb towards the plans, purposes, and presence of God. This podcast is built around the idea that life's not just a journey, but rather a purposeful climb to sovereign heights. I'm Hannah Schaefer, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Dr. Claudia Dempsey. We welcome you to journey alongside us as we explore common hangups, setbacks, and growth points on the journey of life, as well as some key strategies and resources so we can collaboratively climb together to reach new heights. This is Climbing Fierce. Hello, friends, and welcome to our final episode of our inaugural season of Climbing Fierce. I cannot believe it. We've had such an incredible time unpacking some really critical topics and conversations this fall, and we are incredibly grateful for all of you who have tuned in to listen. Some of you have tracked with us every step along the way, and other of you, you've joined midway, halfway through this journey with us. Either way, we're just so grateful for you and excited to have you along with us for the climb. Well, today, boy, this is a really special moment for us because this episode does mark the end of our very first season, and man, this experience has completely exceeded our expectations. What a fun journey. But this is also a really special moment because we get to put the spotlight on a member of our team who serves tirelessly behind the scenes. And I'm I'm speaking of none other than our illustrious, brilliant, and hardworking designer, manager, tech guru, and producer, Taylor Joy Murray. Taylor, thank you so much for being here today. Honestly, there's just not enough to say. In regard to all you've done, you've been instrumental in everything we have done here. And here's the crazy thing. I know you do this on the side because you are also an author, a speaker. Uh, You are soon to be a podcaster who works with folks in trauma and is also working currently on a master's in clinical psychology. I don't know where you hide your cape, (laughs) but I know you have got some secret superpowers and I just want to say publicly, we are so incredibly grateful for you and what you've meant to this team. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, so I also want to, before we jump in, make a note that we're missing one team member today. We are. Yes, we um, are. Very sad that Hannah is not able to join us, but it's for an incredible reason. She is home today uh, because she's taken some time off following the birth of her precious mm-hmm. new addition, little Gideon. So we've given her permission to take a moment and be where it matters right now with her family. Uh, but she also has been so instrumental mm-hmm. this this first season. So um, yeah, shout out to our amazing Hannah. Okay, so here we are. Um, Taylor, Hannah and I have had the amazing privilege of getting to know you as we've worked with you over the last year. Um, and I've loved hearing your story. It's mm-hmm. been truly incredible. But to help those who are, who are tuning in to understand a little bit about you and your journey, can you share a little bit about your story and, and give them some background on, on what your experience has been? Yeah, of course. Well, I grew up in a home where both of my parents were in vocational ministry, and this is a really formative part. This was a formative part of my childhood. I remember when I was four, I started reading, like air quote reading, <laughs> children's Bibles out loud. Um, even when I couldn't read. And people were so surprised that I was reading and I couldn't read. I was just telling Bible <laughs> stories from memory. Right. So I remember from the time I was a little girl always having this sensitivity to God, mm. this sense that he was real 
and that I wanted to get to know him. And I've always loved to write since I was really little. So my fake <laughs> reading, right, right. I progressed into writing stories okay. about biblical characters because I was so fascinated with their lives. Um, but when I was nine, my world changed completely. And my family moved to Japan as missionaries. And my parents um, were par- partnering with some local pastors to plant churches. And, you know, I just remember when I was nine, we sold almost everything that we owned. And I remember standing there as a nine-year-old at our yard sale, just watching all of, like, mm, yeah, silverware, oh couch, goodness, just right. go out the door. And it was so hard as a nine-year-old to navigate those feelings mm, of grief right, and loss. Right. And um, about four years after we moved cross-culturally, like, it was such a hard transition for my whole family. And uh, four years after we moved, that transition kind of led to my first book, called Hidden in My Heart. And that book was written completely unintentionally. Seriously, like probably the only book that was written totally (laughs) unintentionally. We didn't mean for this to be a book. No, it was just letters to God about processing my experience overseas. Mm. That book was published when I was 13. Um, But around the same time, I began recognizing a struggle with anxiety. And I was thinking about it. I think when I was really little, I didn't have words for the anxiety that I was experiencing. And a lot of it came out as perfectionism. Like I would cry getting an A minus, literally an A minus. Or I would couldn't just submit a, a piece of writing. I would just read it over and over and over again, um, wanting to get it right. And then in high school, um, as you know, life was really hard in, in with, you know, being in high school and transitioning and still trying to transition to another culture and so many different factors, my anxiety started co- becoming a lot more like physical in nature. Mm, so there right. was racing thoughts, tense shoulders, I couldn't seem to catch my breath. And during high school, when life just felt more and more out of control, I tried to grasp for grasp for control in some way that I could and in any way that I could and that um, led to disordered eating which eventually turned into an eating disorder and the eating disorder kind of worsened to a point where during a gap year program in Germany um, I was in you know fetal position bathroom floor moment Uh. like (laughs) behind a locked bathroom door just wondering how I got here and Wow. You know, I've talked, you know, since when that moment happened, I promised myself, you know, I will never tell anyone about that moment. But since then, I've told a lot of people about that moment. And it's always uh, just surprising to me hearing, you know, almost every person I've talked to say, me too. Like, Mm. I've had that moment too. Um, But since that moment on the bathroom floor, I started a really long journey of healing. And that journey um, looked like residential treatment. It looked like a lot of therapy um, for years after I was discharged. Um, when I, I was 18, when I was went into treatment, I was discharged uh, the summer before my freshman year. Um, but that journey eventually turned into my second book, Stop Saying I'm Fine, where I really go into that journey in a, little, in a lot more depth. You know, as you're talking, Taylor, I'm just thinking a couple things come to mind. One, I love that you kind of said and express sometimes we hit seasons of life where we don't have language for what is happening. And I know in your youth, that was the case, but I think of how many people are encountering some things 
and there's just not language yet mm-hmm. or awareness. And that's, that is 100% why we're doing what we're doing, mm-hmm. unpacking these issues, talking about this, putting language to these realities and awareness so that we can grow through them. Yeah. Um, but also the fact it strikes me, even as we're just talking right now, you came from a Christian family yeah. with a lot that was properly put in place. Mm-hmm. And we sometimes think messes come out of bad foundational mm-hmm. experiences. But the reality is, is that we encounter, even with the best foundational experiences, some of the some real messes in right. life or challenges yeah. or yeah. upsets or and yeah, I wonder how many how many people with who had all those right elements in the foundation end end up on those bathroom floors. Mm-hmm. Like, God, what what is happening? How yeah. did I get here? But I love that you had writing and you even, mm-hmm. at an early age, I love that you were writing yeah. these stories, right? <laughs> so yeah. let me ask you, because I know that we've talked previously about writing being just and almost this therapeutic way for you yourself to process yeah. your hurts, challenges. When did you realize that writing um, and, and the fact of what you were writing and actually the pain of your story would become a vehicle by which you would serve others? Yeah. Yeah. I read a quote the other day that really resonated with mm-hmm. me. And um, it was this author who was writing and she said, we serve God in our weaknesses and receive grace for all of our strengths. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> and I, and I, it, that has been so true of mm. my story. Um, and I, and I truly like looking back just on, you know, 13 year old me, when I started writing the letters for Stop Saying I'm Fine to now, it's 12 years later, um, I've seen how some of the greatest, the, the places of my greatest calling that God is like calling me to, to share and to serve from have come from places that have felt so wounding and mm. so painful. Wow. Um, and, you know, I think my first memory of recognizing that writing was going to be kind of that one of the avenues through which um, God was inviting me to share more of my story and share this journey um, was, you know, I was 13 and I was sitting at Panera with my mom and she was reading the, she asked to read some of the letters that I'd written when I was um, writing Hidden in My Heart. And I'm really close with my mom. So I'm like, yeah, sure. Like you and no one else can read (laughs) these letters. And I remember her sitting there and reading and she looked up at one point and she said, I think these would be such an encouragement to other mm. uh, missionary kids. And I was like, no one <laughs> will read these <laughs> letters to, share, right? to God. <laughs> and she was like, I just want you to pray about it. So it was through that process of really praying about it when I was 13 and saying like, okay, God, like mm. I didn't mean for anyone else to read these, but apparently you had something else in mind. Wow. And as a 13 year old saying, okay, God, like, well, let's do this together. Like it's going to, it feels scary to me, but we're going to go for it. And then the second time with stop saying I'm fine. I remember I was on campus, you know, in my dorm room, like mouse hovering over the send button (laughs) with my manuscript attached to my publisher for the, for the second time. And, you know, asking God, like, this feels scary. Like mm. I, I, I wrote so vulnerably in this book about really hard and painful things. And he said, okay, we're going to do it together. Second time, we're going to do it together. And it's been this process of continually um, just leaning into God's invitation 
Um, and as I process my own pain, um, accepting his invitation to actually show up in the full truth of my story um, for the sake of others. And, you know, <laughs> metaphorically and literally not edit parts out. <laughs> right, yeah. right. That's incredible. Yeah. No, I love a couple points you, you made in there that only God could use our message, our messes as our message. Yeah. You know, to turn yeah. those moments into something that actually becomes transformative, not just for us, but for somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've never heard that quote before. We let me, let me make sure I got it right. We serve God in our weaknesses, yeah. but we receive grace in our strengths. Yep. What a... What, what a flip of, of the script, mm-hmm. right? What a change in paradigm of how to look at that. We sometimes yeah. think uh, it's because our strengths, that's what, that's my resource to serve the world. Mm-hmm. And God's like, I think the moment you start leaning on that is when you forget that I yeah. am your source and yeah. I am your strength. That's incredible. But I, I the, the next thing I wanted to talk about is I just, a couple things were coming to mind, was the incredible title of this book, mm-hmm. Stop Saying I'm Fine. As I think of this, um, it just brings to idea this idea that there are people who I think feel like they need to live life on a pedestal, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's a spiritual pedestal or some performance-based pedestal because someone has told you that somehow love and acceptance are going to based on be based on what you do, um, or even like this mediating pedestal where I think sometimes we step into roles where we're the one who helps everyone else be okay Mm -hmm. but it means that i can't i can't not be okay Mm because i have to i've got to take care of everybody else and there's these times and moments where we find ourselves in a place where either it's self-imposed or environmentally imposed where we cannot not be okay what pressure um this idea of life on a pedestal means we don't have permission or space to authentically struggle like the rest of us, like everyone around us. So can you talk a bit? I know that seems to be what that book really Mm -hmm. was targeting. Can you talk about what that was like in your life? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so many Christians feel this pressure not to struggle. Mm. And, you know, I felt from, and I think it was, there's so many different factors I think that can contribute to that. And in my story, it's been this, you know, I want to, be a good witness. I want to be a good testimony. And I've correlated that with, I can't struggle. Mm. And I think that's been like the tension point for me is, you know, wanting, especially as an MK and not really fully a missionary kid, not fully understanding the hope of just being nine and sitting thinking like, oh, I want to be a good witness. And that means I can't, you know, be angry or sad or like feel like negative in some some ways emotions but um you know I think I was thinking about this passage of scripture that I read the other day um that I first I think one of the first times I read it was when I was 18 and it was the day after my bathroom floor moment Mm. and it it was mark 5 with um about the story of the woman with the bleeding problem and I resonated with this woman's story so much because she had this long-term struggle that wouldn't go away. And for 12 years, she'd been sick. And and I resonated so much with her because in, in this story, when she goes to Jesus with this problem, you can almost sense this tension between wanting healing and also wanting to hide. Mm, and yeah. I resonated with that so much. Like, her desire, so the story, like, uh, 
how the story goes in scripture is she has a struggle and she's heard that if she can just get to Jesus, get into his presence and touch the hem of his robe, then she'll be healed. Right. So she goes to him and in this crowd of people, she she's able to just touch the, the hem of his robe and then she realizes she's healed and then slips back into the crowd. And you just see that. Like, you just, right. if you can picture it in your mind, it's like, I want to be healed and also I want to hide. <laughs> like, and I, and I feel that so much. But what I love about this story is that Jesus turns to her and turns and looks around in the crowd and says, who touched me? And the disciples are like, there's like a thousand people right. around you. Like, right. who touched you? But what I love is that he wouldn't let her not be found. Mm, he was good. is so insistent on whole person transformation. And he wanted healing for this woman that was more than just physical healing. And you know, one translation of this of this passage says, but he Jesus, he went on asking, looking around to see who had done it, and the woman, knowing what had happened, knowing she was the one, stepped up in fear and trembling, knelt before him and gave him the whole story. And they have this conversation in front of this crowd of people. And just, I'm just imagining the look in Jesus's eyes, the tenderness that mm. which he invites her to come right. and, and share her story. And, right. you know, this this moment for this, like the, her greatest testimony was this moment where she went to Jesus with her struggle and told the truth of her story in, in front of this crowd of people. And that's the moment that was recorded in scripture. Right. And I think... That has just so I see that her journey, um, it's, it's been such an encouragement for me, just knowing that you know in those moments that where I've I am not okay, like I am not fine, like those are those moments that Jesus is inviting me to come to Him, and 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 talk with Him and be in relationship with Him, and whatever, like whatever He does with that is what he's going to do, right, right? right? But it's it's the journey of going to him and, and so often seeing how he uses those moments to impact so many others. What a powerful example because I, th- I think we can infer understanding a little bit about that culture mm-hmm. that she probably was ashamed and yeah. wanting to hide. And is that not what we do yeah. when we think we're supposed to be at a certain place or to have certain things accomplished or to be at a certain degree of health and we're not we hide Mm -hmm. the facades the masks almost the masquerading Mm -hmm. we do to keep some of that veiled because this sense of vulnerability but I love what what you mentioned the fact that Christ did not call her out to bring shame right Christ brought light to that to give her freedom Mm -hmm. and he didn't let her just slip away and go back into hiding yeah it's this whole idea of like come to me yeah I'm not going to expose you to where you're hurt Mm -hmm. but I'm going to expose that hurt in a way that my power can get to it yeah and and again you said whatever he's going to do he's going to do we can't dictate what God does and sometimes we do we want to show up and and give our our request or even place our order Mm -hmm. for what happens and yet knowing in the sovereignty we've got to leave it with him but going and not keeping these things in 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 the secret in the dark Mm -hmm. keeping them veiled and now I'm not saying we need to go expose all this to the world but taking it to Christ yeah. and beginning there in, in this place of disclosure, right? And yeah. I love that. And again, this idea of let's just stop saying we're fine yeah. when we're not fine. Yeah. That it's okay to not be okay. Mm-hmm. Not because we're going to stay there, 
but that's the starting point by which we move beyond not being okay. So let me just give a plug right now. We've said this quite a few times. You've heard the title of the book, Stop Saying I'm Fine. This came out last year. Mm-hmm. It's available, I know, on Amazon and other book distributors. Uh, but also, I want to. I'm at. A, I want to give a plug for your website, Taylor. It's Taylor Joy mm-hmm. Murray. I love that. This woman is a vehicle of joy, and it's .co. So it's not com. It's TaylorJoyMurray.co, uh, which also is going to have links to her different published works, different resources, her up and coming blog, which is hold on, wait, it's Faith and Feelings, mm-hmm. right? The podcast. Uh, coming, yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. Yep. This podcast coming in January. Mm-hmm. So be on the lookout for that. I'm so excited. Um, and also, you travel and you you speak. You just mm-hmm. this past weekend were down doing a retreat. Mm-hmm. So for those of you who are looking to bring in some speakers, I know that's something she does as well. But okay, so let's shift now because um, I know that it's not only important for you to acknowledge the issue, but to also take clear steps. We don't want to just talk about let's expose what's there, but actually yeah. taking some steps to deal with the reality that sometimes things are not fine. So as we think of someone who might be listening right now, Taylor, who can instantly relate, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm actually not okay. I'm, I'm sitting here in the moment and I'm, if I'm going to be honest, I'm not fine. Um, they might know the right things to say. Mm-hmm. They may know how to, we talked about this great Christian facade. We all yeah. kind of know at this point how to wear that mask. But if they were going to pull back the veil um, and we'd see they're not fine, what are some things they can actually do, some steps they can take to move to begin to move toward greater emotional and spiritual health. Yeah, I think, you know, just looking back on my journey, the first part was <laughs> admitting I'm not fine. Right. And it's, I mean, that's so like, oh, we can say that. Like, it's okay not to be okay. But when we have to say I'm not fine in the area that is the hardest to say that in, mm-hmm. it is, I mean, it goes to a whole nother level. And I think for me, admitting that I wasn't fine was so hard, especially to the people that I wanted to be fine to. Like, right. And then believing that I could walk out a healing journey. And I think for me, the hardest part about that journey since I was, you know, started when I was 18, you know, with treatment wasn't necessarily walking it, but believing that I could believing that with Jesus, with people around me, that I could walk the journey because mm. so much of me was like, I cannot do this. And that journey <laughs> and any of our journeys will never be linear. They will always be messy. Right, right. <laughs> they will not so be. So true. That was such an expectation that I had that I realized was not. I'm so glad you're mentioning like, that. You really do. <laughs> yeah. We think, let me put the right things in this yeah. machine. Let me take the right steps. And in three months, I'm going to start... Yeah, it is. It's always uh, a bit of a of a of a mess sorting through the complexity of things like yeah. this. It's sometimes that two steps forward, one step yeah. back. Yeah, um, yeah. Continue. Yeah. Please feel free to elaborate on that. Yeah, I I remember, you know, spending ten weeks in this residential treatment facility, when and I'm like getting to the end. My like thought getting to the end was like, I'm gonna leave this. <laughs> and it's all going to be gone mm. and I'll just be better and healed and we're just going to move on with my life and I'll go to college and and I remember you know my family picking me up my last day you know we're backing out of the treatment facility like the gravel like I hear like the gravel beneath the tires we're like moving you're like right, right. backing out and it hits me like I'm not better 
Oh, like, my goodness. I'm not 100% better. And I <laughs> want it to be. I'm, like, a lot better than I was. But this is going to be a process. And it has and was a process. And, it, I mean, it still is a journey that I walk out every day. Um, so, but I think, you know, recognizing and admitting you're not fine is the first step. Um, surrounding yourself with people that will walk mm, the journey out with huge. you is the second step. Um, and and that can be hard. I know, I know for me, you know, I didn't tell anyone about what I had come from, you know, when I came to college. Like, I was in treatment that summer, came to college a month later. No one knew about what I had just come from for a year, wow. a whole year. My fresh, my roommate didn't know. Right, right. So it was really hard for me to discern, like, what kind of people can I invite into this space because it felt really, like, raw and mm-hmm. hard still. But finding those people that um, are safe spaces – uh, whether it's a, a trusted friend or a therapist or a pastor or someone who will walk with you um, and 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 will just be a compassionate presence to you and offer you know advice and that's counsel huge. as you as you walk out the journey. Yeah, that's huge. Uh, so with this, maybe some encouragement to use a, prayerfully a lot of discernment. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you don't want to share these very deep sacred spaces yeah. with those who maybe aren't mature enough or healthy enough to venture there with you um, and really add health to your mm-hmm. experience and even I, I just as you were talking I thought of this I, I do know um, a number of folks who have sought some counseling and support professionally and on that first or second visit, it didn't go great. They're yeah. Like, oh, okay, forget this. Yeah. Yeah. Please keep knocking on that yeah. door. It sometimes takes a few visits to a few different folks mm-hmm. to find that right connection. And it's the same thing with friends or maybe some leaders. So if I would just say to somebody listening, if they're like, okay, I, I am going to invite somebody in, um, don't be surprised if if it takes a couple yeah. a couple of opportunities knocking on some different doors to find that right safe space because mm-hmm. not everybody's going to be a fit not every counselor is going to work in every scenario right. so um i love that it's a journey it mm-hmm. really is but yeah. i can't encourage enough those who are listening these are elements of the journey that are so worth the investment yeah. of our time our care our prayer because what comes from this is a depth of life and fruit mm-hmm. that we can't even imagine. But mm-hmm. if we if we stop, and we, I tell my kids all the time, the only way out is to go through some of these. There's yeah. no way out. You're not. There's no easy button. Nobody's sending a little helicopter down to like with a big hook to dr- you know drag yeah. you up out of this one. Your journey through this is how you're going to grow and then come out of this. Yeah. And embrace the reality of the journey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's incredible. This even reminds me, you, you've you talked before about leaving the, the land of silence. And I know that's something we're going to offer some resources in our mm-hmm. show notes. Yeah. But can you talk very briefly about that? Um, I love that. And where did that originate? Re- originate and what is that going to address? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this resource came out of a morning that I was spending in Psalm 94. And... Um, Yeah, I'll read a little bit of the passage and then kind of talk about uh, the resource a little bit. But it says, 
Um, Psalm 94, 17 through 19 says, If the Lord had not been my help, I would soon have dwelt in the land of silence. If I say, my foot has slipped, your compassion and loving kindness, O Lord, will hold me up. When my anxious thoughts multiply within me, your comfort delights me. And when I read that verse, it just, that, that, that phrase, the land of silence, hit That's me. That's powerful. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And I, and I think so many How of many us. How many are living? Yeah. No, like we know like, oh, the, we get that. Yeah. Like we know what it's like to live there. Yes. Right. <laughs> and you know how how often we can stay silent mm. about the struggles and painful things that we've walked through um, because of shame or fear. So I created this resource called Leaving the Land of Silence, and it just outlines five steps that all start with S's because I love alliteration <laughs> to, to leaving the land of silence. And so I'll just okay, run. That's going to be another book. Yeah. I don't know if that's on your radar. That's so good. That's so good. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. So I'll just run through okay. the, the five steps really quickly. Um, so the first one is stopping. So just stopping and creating space. And we're all so busy almost every day of our lives. Like right. Stopping and creating space. And then to stilling breathing and taking time to just calm your body and asking God's compassion um, and loving kindness to, to come and comfort you, especially in moments of anxiety. Um, the third one, sensing. So um, the leaving the lane of silence, like this resource is specifically focused on anxiety. So the sensing part is connecting to your anxiety. Okay, that's, can I stop right there? That's yeah. huge. We try to avoid it. We yeah. try to um, skirt around it yeah. almost like it's a big pothole and yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a left turn so I don't have to like actually get up close mm-hmm. with that get familiar um, see what it is because therein that becomes this process of dismantling yes right yeah no, that's good yeah I actually I heard a psychologist I think she was a psychologist say recently that anxiety there's so much underneath anxiety there's so much underneath it. So when we feel anxiety, it's like we need to pull up a chair and sit next to it and listen to what it has to say. Okay, that's amazing. It's <laughs> yeah. like this iceberg, right? What yeah. Is, what's 10%, 15% yeah. out of the right. water? Yeah. Wow. So the process of sensing and connecting with your anxiety is noticing, okay, where am I feeling this in my body? Like what yeah. physical responses am I feeling? We want to run, right? We want to run. triggers that fight, flight, yeah. even freeze, not yeah. like curl up next to this thing and, yeah. and let it inform you of what's really happening. Yeah, because anxiety is, it's it's so much, it's like our body signal so yeah. many times of like, okay, something's wrong, something's going on, so what, I need to listen yeah. to what my body's yeah, saying. Yeah, that's good. So, um, and then the fourth one is storytelling. So connecting to the situation that you find yourself in, um, in this anxious moment. So what's happening around you or inside of you that may be triggering um, the anxiety, some questions to consider um, are how is this situation or action or conversation that I'm in, how is it making me feel? How do I wish this was making me feel? How am I reacting to this feeling that I'm having? How do I wish I was reacting to this feeling? <laughs> what is my choice in this situation? Mm, that's good. And then the fifth one is shifting. So connecting with God about the situation and sharing with him the story that you've been telling yourself about what's been going on, um, either praying or writing a prayer and, and asking like asking the Lord, what's the truth in this situation? Um, and then, you know, 
after that, maybe connecting with another person and sh- and verbalizing that out right, loud. Right. Um, finding someone who you, who you feel safe enough to to share the experience with. Maybe the person that has been walking this this journey with you, and um, you know, ask them if they would just listen with empathy and curiosity right, right. as you're just with something about verbalizing and naming things inside of us yes um helps us our anxiety to go down almost immediately so just naming the things is so helpful yeah that's incredible okay my friend your story your willingness to share your vulnerability uh, the reality of you addressing this issue of sometimes we're not fine and mm-hmm. you being brave enough to tell that story um, and then your own journey toward God's heights and his plans yeah. for your life. Taylor, there it's nothing short of inspiring. I am so just humbled, inspired, excited as I hear you talk, knowing what is yet to come, you know, what the, the chapters of your story that are not yet written, but knowing in light of where you've been and all that <laughs> yeah. you've already accomplished. Um, so I just, I do want to encourage those who are listening in, the fact is we all have those I'm not fine moments. This isn't just a Taylor ran into this in her, mm-hmm. you know, late teens because she had some difficulties. This is the reality of all of our stories. And the maturity to be able to say, I'm going to own that. I'm not going to hide it. And I'm going to walk through that. We all need to pull back that veil at times and do that deeper work and invite God to um, come do that deeper work so that we don't live in that and those hidden places mm-hmm. that we don't stay stuck in that land of silence. Mm-hmm. So, um, again, to anyone listening, please check out Taylor's page, which is taylorjoymurray.co, and all the resources she has available. And please reach out to us if we can help in any way. We talked about the importance of having company on the journey. So if there's anything we can do for those of you listening as you step out from silence and out of the showers, um, the shadows to embrace God's process of restoration, we want to be there. Um, We really do. What an incredible story. So, okay, friends, uh, we are wrapping up. That's it. That's the end of season one. Let me reiterate our incredible thanks for you, our listeners, for your partnership in this journey. Um, We will continue again in 2024. Um, In the meantime, we hope that each of you have a great holiday season as you press in and press on and continue to go climb fierce. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast, wherever you stream your podcasts. Be sure to check out today's show notes for more resources, links, and helpful tools on today's topic. You can find these resources and more on our website at www.growthpointperspective.com. If this podcast has been at all impactful for you or someone you know, let us know, leave us a review or send it to a friend who might need to hear about today's topics. And if you have any questions or an episode idea for us, or you want to get in contact with our team, email hello at growthpointperspective.com. Until next time, friends, go climb fierce.